Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 22. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person living a life of ministry, whether it's informally or as a vocation. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, and today's Thread covers Chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. Uh, We're going to... I'm, I'm actually going to skip over verses 1 through 5 because it's pretty much a repeat of the material that has already been covered by Paul in chapter 8. But I do want us to focus down on chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, because in Thread we try to go verse by verse through a book uh, the way a leader needs to, to really extract all the meaning from God's Word. I want us to see something different that Paul is doing in the lives of the Corinthian people. He is their spiritual father. He has great ambition for them spiritually. And in this passage, he is going to vision cast. He can see them in the future living on a much higher road than they're taking right now. He can see what they cannot about the possibility of the kind of person that they could become in the future. You know, it seems like the Corinthian people's vision, this church, you know, they're all believers, and yet their life vision doesn't seem to be any different or any higher than the culture around them. They still want the same things that their culture wants. Uh, And this church has just had historic problems because of that. Well, you know, in the end, uh, there's just three great spiritual strongholds that we all have to battle And these strongholds are going to resist the Lord and the ways of the Lord. And these three are always money, sex, and power. And the Corinthians seem to have a typical money attitude. Uh, Their focus about money is about me and my needs for money. Their status, conscious, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians is just like a, um, a list of all the things wrong with them. In their, in their vision of life. They're just too much like the world around them. But in this case, you know, in this chapter, Paul is all about, because this is fifth time that he's dealing with them on the topic of money, and he realizes what a stronghold money has in their life, and he knows that money is so much more than they think it is. It can be so much more than they can comprehend. And Paul knows that the blessed life is so much higher and richer and more important than just accumulating more stuff or claiming, you know, that God will keep you from losing the stuff that you've been able to pile up. Money is a spiritual power. And the real question, according to Richard Foster, is this. Is my use of unrighteous mammon, because that's what Jesus called money, Is my use of unrighteous mammon drawing me closer to the kingdom of God or pushing me farther away from it? And that's a question that's really worth pondering for all of us. Is the way I use money, the way I think about money and the things I do with money, is it drawing me closer to the kingdom? Because Jesus said money is attractive. It will pull your heart Uh, in the direction wherever you put the money. So Paul, instead of just like focusing on rules and principles and, and, you know, exhortations, 
he he takes a different tack in chapter nine, and he focuses on vision. Man, vision is so important, you know. If you can just light a vision in somebody's mind, if they can see a model and get an example and become attracted to a new vision of life and it it opens up inside because vision unlocks you from the inside, you know, rules and even principles, you know, they're from the outside, but vision creates, you know, a new story in your mind, a new truth that will motivate you and guide the way you live your life. So in chapter nine, verses six to the end, Paul is working on their vision. So I want to work on your vision today. Okay. I'm not sure how you see yourself, but I want to join Paul and I want to lay something before you and I hope you can get a hold of it and I hope you can let it just blow the limitations off of your mind as it, as it touches the subject of money. Because if you can blow these limitations out of your mind and think differently about money and think differently about yourself and your place in this world, then you can... You can break down the limitations on your life because we've all got limiting beliefs and we need to get rid of them. And Paul's at war with limiting beliefs in the life of the Corinthians related to money. And he takes them to the Old Testament in in verse 9 of chapter 9. He's going to quote the Old Testament description of a blessed life, and that is Psalms 112. So if you've got your Bible, let's flip over to Psalms 112, and then we'll come back to this passage. Because, you know, it's Paul's background. It's his vision of what a blessed life looks like. And he wants to lay this vision in front of the, uh, the Corinthians. Okay, so as, as uh, Psalm 112 opens up, it opens up talking about righteousness. How righteousness and, and the way it's being used there is not about what the blood of Jesus purchases us. It's about rightness, rightness with God and rightness toward others in our dealings with them. And this rightness, this fairness, this compassion, this generosity toward other people uh, leads you to the high road. The world doesn't take this road very much, but God's righteous people, the ones who are right with him, and who are right toward others, they walk on a high road. And they become what I'm going to call a prince in the land. And this concept came to me. I told the story before, but I don't know how many episodes ago it was. But I want to tell it again. Um, back up in my own life, I'm 30 years old. I've got four kids. Well, it's about 32. I've got four kids of my own. We're in a very expensive city for us, Metro Manila, and uh, we, on top of that, we have planted a church, and this church is meeting in our home, and because of the culture, uh, when someone comes to your home, you give them a meal, and uh, so we are paying for these meals out of our pocket. You know, we're spending just a huge portion of all of our salary um, as missionaries, uh, and we were, you know, we were self-supported, so we had to go raise our own funds. I, not self-supported, but self-funding. So we had to raise our funds from donors, and so out of that money, a huge chunk of it is going now to basically pay for this church and pay for all the food that twice a week 
we are having people in our home. On top of that, uh, our church staff, which is three students from Bible school where I was uh, the dean, um, I was the director of graduate studies. And so I was picking my best students to come in this church plant and let's do it, you know, as a, as an experiment and you'll grow through it and, and the city will get a, a great church. So they didn't have anywhere to live and, um, they were just coming out on weekends. So they were living with us and they moved into our house. And so now in addition to feeding the church people, uh, I am needing to also feed them. And one day, uh, this load just keeps you know building on me. And so one day, I just, uh, I just said, I've got to, I got to have a break. So it was a Saturday, and I remember saying to the, our whole big circle of family, my kids plus um, the staff that live with us, I'm going to take my kids to McDonald's, and if you guys want me to drop you at the mall. Uh, you know, because they didn't have a vehicle either. And so we were their ride to everything. And we lived eight miles back in this huge subdivision that had 30,000 people in it. And so it's a long walk to the front and, and hard to get there. So anyhow, so I said, you know, I'll, I'll take you guys, drop you at the mall. Yeah, yeah. So everybody jumps in the car and goes. Well, they were hungry too. So whenever we went into McDonald's, they all went in. My staff went into McDonald's too. And my kids all get in line, and I'm standing by my kids, you know. And I'm excited about this. I'm taking them out. It's a special treat. And I look, and, and my staff has gotten in line with my kids. And I realize that culturally I'm their dad too and that, you know, although they're in their 20s, I'm going to end up paying for their meals anytime we go out and anywhere we are. And I was sitting there for just a minute processing <laughs> this realization that, wow, I've got three sort of adult kids, at least on for three days a week. Uh, in addition to all of our kids, in addition to the church folks, so much of this is resting on us and we're, we're the ones picking up the bill. And so as I'm sitting there in McDonald's struggling about this, the Lord spoke to me and he just asked me a question. He said, do you want to be a prince or not? And I just said, you know, I do. I would love to be a prince. Like you're just powerful and you've got all this money and all these people can rest on you. And they can all, you know, like you're like this big tree that Psalms 1 says. And everybody can come under you and just rest and be sheltered, you know. And you can be like a, like a godfather. And you just look over, you look after the people. And I said, I really would love to have that for my life. And the Lord said, pay the money, you know, quit thinking about it. I'm going to give you the money. You just pay the bills. When I have you throw parties, when I have you invite people, just just pay bills. So we've always tried to, you know, pretty much pick up the check. Most meals that we eat with anybody, you know, it just feels weird to me to say, let's split the check. Uh, I'll just pay. You know, I'm a prince. I want to be a prince. I want that to be my life. And we've tried to raise our kids this way, too. I want them to be princes and princesses in the land and to know that we are the royal ones. We are the children of God and that we we have a relationship with money and provision that is not limited by all the human things that limit other people because we are members of the royal family. We are in a special category with the father. And this is true of everybody who will, you know. He, he leaves his family door open, and anybody that wants to can turn from their ways, humble themselves, come under him, live under his shadow, 
And just as he was encouraging me, you know, to basically take up the kind of ministry that he does every single day. He's the great king of the earth. And everybody feeds off of him every single day, myself included. And uh, I think that's what Psalms 112 is about. It's about being a prince in the land. Do you want to be one of these people? Do you want to feel so confident about money that you just don't sweat finances? You just live, you know? You, you, you make your human plans, you know, and you do whatever is nice and right to do and responsible to do. And you don't, you know, get in debt and all that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying a liberty about money, you know, a freedom. So really, if you read Psalms 112 and just meditate on it, let it settle inside of you. Uh, let me walk you through it real quick. We'll just hit some high points, okay? Verse 1 of Psalms 112 says that this blessed life, being a prince or princess in the land, it's only for those who two things have to be true. One, you fear the Lord, you have a deep respect for God, and two, you delight in His commandments. You, in other words, you wholeheartedly agree with God's ways in all your thinking and in all your dealings. You line up with God. You, you don't hate His rules. You don't hate His ways. You delight in them. You believe that God is right. And you just want to be right with God and do whatever God wants and walk with God and follow God's laws. Uh, you love it. And he says, okay, that's who gets to be a prince. Prince says, I'm just going to say prince, okay? Uh, but we mean both. Verse 2, it says the high road blessing. So when you start walking on this high road with God, this noble road, this blessing, verse 2 says, will impact your kids. And it will make your kids bigger people than most of their companions. Your kids, the way it says it is, your children will be mighty on the earth. Your children will be mighty on the earth. That's my dream for my kids, is that they will, you know, not just uh, like live under me. I want them to so surpass me because I'm giving them everything I have as their zero point. Whatever my whole life has done, I give it to them every single day. They can start with that and now move forward. So this high road blessing is so cool. It impacts your children and it makes them bigger than most people. Uh, verse 2, it says, The generation of the upright will be blessed. And that generation means uh, one full cir- you know, circle. It's like a revolution, the way that life starts and rolls through all the seasons and then it ends. And that's one life. And so one revolution, one whole generation uh, after you is automatically blessed because you're on the high road. Your kids get blessed too. They have to decide to keep it up. But the blessing is automatically theirs. They would have to walk away from it because your choice to take the high road with God has already given them the high road too. They're walking on it with you in the family. Okay, verse 3 of Psalms 112. You will have high-quality stuff in your house. You will have more than enough stuff so you can share with others. That's verse 3. I remember in Jamaica, we were 24. I was 24. Sherry was 23. 
And we had so little money. It was, uh, we were really tight. And this went on for about three years. We stayed there four and a half years. And the first three years was really hard, hard times. Uh, but uh, the poor would come to our house. And they weren't all terribly poor, but they knew where the pastor lived. And so we were, we were the place that any time a beggar wanted to beg, they came to our house and they just bang on the gate. I mean, they banged on the gate for an hour. You had to go out and talk to them. And, uh, you know, then we're struggling with what do you do because a lot of them are going to go drink the, you know, if you give them any money, they're just going to drink it. So we came up with this idea that we would uh, have uh, one part of our pantry would be empty, and that part was for other people's stuff. So when we bought groceries, Sherry would buy one extra thing, you know, extra flour, extra rice, extra, just the basic stuff that would keep you healthy and alive. And so it was, you know, it, it filled up with stuff. And we knew that's not ours. That's for giving away. And, uh, you know, it's nice. It's that verse three thing. You have high quality stuff in your house. You have more than enough so you can share. So when they'd knock on the gate, we, we knew why they were out there. And we'd just grab a food item out of it, you know, stick it in a bag, go out, have a nice talk with them, and hand them food. And uh, that just started a practice with us that we had a giving closet in our house. You know, Proverbs 3.16 says, Wisdom has riches and honor to give to those who will honor God's truth and honor his laws with their lives. And wisdom will give you money, basically, because you're lining up with God. Uh, Because the Lord wants to bless the earth, and he's looking for people he can use to do that. So, you know, this is where Paul's at, and he's diving in now. and He's in the Old Testament. He's casting this vision about having strength and power in your family and power in your finances so that you cast this strong shadow on other people who don't know God and who are not following his ways because God wants them to notice you. And so he sends them to you because you're stronger than they are. And you're stronger because he makes you strong. Uh, Back in Psalms 112 again, verse 3, it says, Your righteousness will stand the test of time. You know, you, you don't lose your integrity Later in life, you just keep walking it. Verse 4 says, even in your dark times, the high road, even in your dark times, because, I mean, even generous people, they have business ups and downs. They have health problems sometimes. But it says in verse 4, even in darkness, light dawns. Okay, so even in my hard times, the Lord is going to be there. Revelation is going to be there. Lessons are going to be there. He's going to teach me things, and he's going to grow me. Through my dark times. And verse 7, I'm just going to jump ahead. Verse 7 of that psalm says, And you don't fear bad news. God is with you. So you don't live in fear and worry and anxiety. I mean, you know that the money system is imperfect. But you also know that the manna system will feed you in your hard times. And that you'll get through all your challenges because you're walking in step with the Father. So you don't sit and dread Bad news. You just know that, well, if I get bad news, God is with me and he's near me and I'll just walk through that desert and walk out. Um, So, you know, all of this is there. It's this big Old Testament vision of the blessed life. And and that Old Testament vision gets to verse nine uh, of of Psalm 112, which is interesting because it's also second Corinthians nine. And Paul quotes that verse exactly. And he says, God has done all of this for you. And it's a pretty good blessing, huh? 
He's done all this for you so you can be a prince in the land and so you can be God's source of blessing to those people who need it. And here's the quotation in the psalm. He, and in this uh, context, he is the righteous man or woman. It's not, it's not talking about God. The righteous person has dispersed abroad. They have scattered financial seed to bless so many people. The next verse says, he has given to the poor. And we know from the word of God that whoever gives to the poor is lending to the Lord and the Lord will pay him back. You know, in man's math, when you give money away, you have less money for yourself. Uh, I heard Seth Godin talking this week in a podcast and he was talking about 2008 hits and uh, he's a big, um, he's very involved in the Acumen Fund, which is about poverty relief. And he said, you know, 2008 hits, Huge crisis in stock market, and then the, and they have people who have two hundred million dollars, who have now lost half their money. They're down to a hundred million dollars, and those people are contacting them, saying, "I can't give this year because I've lost, you know, so much money." And it, it's ridiculous. How do you spend a hundred million dollars on your in your life, you know? But that's man's math. If I give money away, I'll have less for myself. And the scripture says, well, you know, there's God's math. And here's what's really cool. And this is where Paul's trying to take the Corinthians. He says, all right, let's go back to the Old Testament because I want you to see this is in the word. If you want to walk on the high road with God, then everything about money is different for you. If you give money away, especially if you give money to the poor, the money you give away becomes seed. What does seed do? It grows. And, you know, seed doesn't grow like you take one corn kernel and you put it in the ground. You don't have this plant that pops up with one corn kernel on top. And it's like, see, you're equal. No, you get a whole, you know, the you get ears of corn and every one of them has got hundreds of corn kernels. It's like, wow, that's what happens with one seed. It grows back and it grows back big. Our generosity in life, my friend, your generosity in life is going to bring a harvest of good things back to you. If you have money, you can give money. And if you give money, you will get money. If you have a a soft heart and you will give forgiveness, Jesus said, you will get forgiveness. If you give somebody time and attention and comfort and focus, God will make sure that you get time and attention and comfort and focus from somebody when you need it. He makes this stuff come back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, the scripture says, men will give back to you. Give and it will come back to you. Uh, Because it becomes seed. It's not the way the world sees it. It's the way God sees it. So, okay, let's jump back now to our text. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, the vision of the high road life. I'm just going to move through this kind of quick here. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Paul says, uh, you know, when you give to others, God turns it into seed, and this seed will grow in those people. So when I give something to somebody, I'm giving them seed. I'm planting seed in them. It's going to grow in them. They're going to be so blessed by what I do. But... This is also seed in my own life. And Paul tells the Corinthians, you're crazy. You know, he told him in the last passage, 
It is expedient for you to become a giver. It's for your own benefit. And in this chapter, he says, again in verse 6, you're crazy not to give generously because when you give, you're sowing seed. Giving is sowing seed. Your own harvest in your own life, your harvest is in your hands. You give. Uh, Verse 7 says, but understand giving isn't like a machine. You know, it's not like this whole thing is, is some kind of computer program. It's a relationship with the God who made all the stuff and the God who's giving you the stuff because he's working with you to make a big person out of you and me. So you can't just like game this as a system. The reward is that God is pleased. And because he's pleased, he's the rewarder. And he piles it back on. And Paul's real clear to them again in verse 7. Don't do this just to get. Don't think this is some kind of, you know, a, a super math or something that God's bound to do this if I do that. It's about God as a person. If you get rewarded, it's because God personally pushes it your way. And Paul reminds them he only accepts cheerful gifts. He loves giving that is done cheerfully, happily, with lightness. You know, if you're doing this because it's your duty and you have to do it or because you're greedy and you think, oh, this is a good investment system. Paul says you're missing the point. If you're not in this out of love for God and it doesn't make you, if it doesn't make you happy to give to the poor, then you're not going to probably get a reward because God won't accept a gift like that. He doesn't want it. Uh, Verse 8, Paul tells the Corinthians, if you catch this vision, then God will bankroll your life. He will bankroll you not just about money, but in every aspect of your life. He's going to give you things to give. And he he just lays down all these superlatives in verse 8. He says he's going to give you all grace. And he's going to give you all sufficiency in all things so that you will have an abundance, like a massive pile, so that you can do every good work. That's why he's doing it. He wants to give us the fuel to be like God. You know, do the things that God does. Take care of people. Open doors. Rewrite. You know, you can rewrite a kid's life story if you can get to them early enough. Uh, some child that's in generational poverty, you can break that thing and you rewrite their story and the story of their family forever after that. Uh, let's go to verse 10 because Paul's already laid down his case. It's like, I've done everything I can do. I've told you. That, you know, he's just worked with them. It's the fifth time he's coming to them about this subject. He says, all right, if you'll catch a vision and if you'll grab a hold of Psalms 112 and say, God, I want that life and I'm willing to be, you know, I want to be a prince or a princess in the land, and I am willing to stand by you, and I'm willing to look after people, and I'm willing to share my stuff and let them eat my food and sleep in our house. And, you know, like some people, it is such a major big deal if somebody needs to sleep at their house. It's like, we need to get over it. You know, why do you have a house? Why do you have more than one bedroom? Why is there more than one bed? Why do you have extra towels in your house? Why is there extra food in your, you know, in your refrigerator? There's supposed to be people, you know. That's why God gives us these nice places. And so Paul pronounces this benediction. If they'll accept the vision, and then he says, okay, may, and he, he calls God two things. 
may the supplier of seed supply and multiply your seed. And may the giver of bread for food supply and multiply your life's benefit. You know, we're radically dependent on God, even for bread to eat and for seed to sow because he's God of both. He's the God of our personal supply, you know, the money that we need to live and pay our medical bills and put gas in the car and, you know, live. He's the God of that. He will give us that personal supply. But he's also the God of a second pocket. And this second pocket, it's not our money. It's the supplies, it's seed. It's the supplies he sends to us. And this supply is not for us. It's for others. It's the supply of seed. And it's like talent. And he's investing it with us so we can give it away. Verse 11 says, you've been enriched in every way for the purpose of all liberality. Just like, you know, crazy giving stuff to everybody. You are blessed to be big for other people, to lift burdens that are crushing other people. And if you can get a hold of this vision, verse 12, Paul tells them, if you'll do this, you're going to cause others to rejoice when their needs are supplied. Um, we visited a, a brother here in Thailand. His wife had cancer and they were in a hospital and a lot of people from our community went and visited them. We did too. And so uh, went there and of course, you know, we're loving on them and we're we're praying for them and we're just doing what we can. But, you know, it occurs to us that one of the hardest things about someone having a, a long-term illness is the medical bills just keep mounting up. So as we were leaving, we stepped out in the hall and we had prepared some money to give him. So we gave him some money and it's, you know, it's just a normal feeling thing to do. So we went on our way and a, a little few months later she died. And we were with him in a public gathering, and he stood up and he started talking about that day and about, you know, the it, that it was – there were a lot of people there, and they were all loving him, and they were all caring about him, but someone actually gave him money. And he, he was talking about, you know, the heavy burden of worrying about every pill that they're wanting to give her, and it's like, how much is that going to cost? Where are we going to get the money for that? And that his heart was lifted up because somebody put money in his hands. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 12. You're going to have an effect on people. When you let God speak to you and you share with someone because the Holy Spirit prompts you, he said, you're going to cause them to rejoice. In verse 13, he says, your giving is going to cause them to worship God and to thank him for supplying their needs. You know, they're going to be grateful to the Lord because they know, you know, it's God sees their need. He used you, but you didn't give it. It's not even your money. You wouldn't have any money if God didn't give it to you. It's like, you know, giving your kids uh, money to go give in church. You know, they get to, to stand and put something in the box, but you had to stick it in their hand. And anything we ever give away, it's from the Lord. And Paul says, they're going to praise God in verse 13. Verse 14, he says, and your giving is going to cause them to ask God to bless you because of the way you handled finances. And uh, then verse 15, as we wrap this uh, passage up, Paul just rejoices 
at how this system works. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, because of what he gave to all of us in Jesus, we are now insiders with him and we can walk with him in his work. And instead of him dropping money out of heaven for other people, which he's perfectly able to do, he will give the money to us. And then we get to go deliver. You know, it's like we get the job to be the the Amazon guy or the florist delivery guy, uh, the F, you know, the DHL guy or the, you know, you get to knock on the door and hand somebody the box that came from somebody else. But to watch their face light up, I think to be a florist, awesome job. You know, you just get to show up at people's house, ring the doorbell and watch their face light up whenever you hand them those flowers. And it's like, this is so great. And Paul says, thanks be to God. It's so wonderful that instead of God giving Everybody thinks directly. He gives it to us so we can go deliver it to them and watch their faces light up and join them in this moment of gratitude to the God who is supplying all of us with bread to eat and seed to sow. My friend, you're listening to this podcast right now because God wants to make you a big person. And I really want to encourage you to start with 5%. That's how it started with us. Someone challenged us, and I'm going to lay it down at your feet too. Set aside 5% of your money. And even if you're really, really tight, I mean, what's 5%? Just set it aside. It, you can't touch it. You can't spend it. It's not, it'll never be your money again. It's stick it in a jar. Do whatever you can, but you've got to get it away from your money and just keep putting it in there. And then start praying and asking God what to do with that money. He's going to allow you to ride upon the earth and you're going to get to be a prince or a princess in the land. You're going to get to just walk up and bless people and they're going to be so released because they're under heavy burdens and the Lord will show you just what to do with it. He wants to make you a big person because you're his child. So let's walk together with God in finances and let's let him use us to supply the needs of other people around the world. Well, that's all for now. If you're enjoying Thread, hey, how about sharing the podcast with your friends? Just use the button and the player uh, that's on your screen, and I would love to see you in the Facebook group, Thread with Chuck Quinley. And let's talk all this stuff out. This week, expect God to use you because you are the light of the world. So shine on.